What are we looking for when we listen to stories about survival? The fact the author wrote it is kind of a spoiler that they live to tell the tale, right? So is it our fascination with physical extremes and toughness? Or is it something else? Welcome to Audiobook Reviews in 5. This is Yana, also known as Jana. In today's episode, I'm reviewing Things I Learned from Falling, written and read by Claire Nelson. I used to be an avid reader of survival stories and memoirs, so I've noticed they follow a thematic arc of either personal hubris or naivete, followed by disbelief, frustration, despair, and then typically the acceptance of death before a big rescue or escape. My personal favorite is probably Nathaniel Philbrick's In the Heart of the Sea, The Tragedy of the Whale Ship Essex. It's a riveting account of 19th century whaling life with vivid depictions of unquenchable thirst and desperation while floating adrift in the ocean. Things I Learned from Falling is promoted as a memoir by Claire Nelson, who shares how she fell over 25 feet after wandering off the trail in a deserted corner of Joshua Tree Park. The fall shattered her pelvis, rendering her immobile. She lay in the canyon for the next four days, exposed to the relentless California sun. Her rescuers had not expected to find her alive. What the publisher promotion does not say is that Nelson didn't tell anyone she was going hiking in the desert, and although she had her cell phone, she didn't have a source of backup coverage. For me, the burning question was not how she survived, but why did she put herself into that predicament to begin with? Like I said, I used to be a fan of survival stories, but after you've read a few dozen, the details start to blend together, and the process of physical deterioration becomes repetitive and predictable. I mention this because many Goodreads reviewers note that they skipped over the backstory parts of this book because they were riveted by Nelson's play-by-play moments, lying in the canyon, hoping for a rescue. I did the exact opposite, skimming over Nelson's time in the canyon by listening to these sections on a faster speed and then slowing down for the backstory, striving to understand what sort of person doesn't tell anyone she's going hiking in the desert. Nelson's personal explanation didn't hold together for me. She chalks it up to her fierce independence and glosses over darker aspects of her personality. Critically, before I began listening to Nelson's account, her ordeal reminded me of Erin Ralston, who at the age of 27 became trapped during a solo descent of Blue John Canyon in southeastern Utah in 2003. After five days, he had to break his own forearm to amputate it with a dull pocket knife to break free. Full disclosure, I had to look up Ralston's name, but the self-amputation detail was impossible to forget. Just like Nelson, Ralston never informed anyone of his hiking plans, nor did he have any way to call for help after becoming trapped. Nelson and Ralston both resorted to drinking their own urine to mitigate dehydration, and both published survival accounts and enjoyed time in the media spotlight, with Ralston's story made into a movie starring James Franco. Because of these similarities, I had the uncomfortable feeling that Nelson's story fits a little too neatly into what we expect of a survival memoir. 
There were fraught passages about the terror of death whilst reflecting on past mistakes, the hubris of rugged individualists, the physical vulnerability and suffering etched in graphic detail, and the profound regret at having wasted time on the internet instead of overcoming one's fears is tailor-made for a TED Talk with Brene Brown or the like. But here's my problem. I can't shake the feeling that something vital is missing in these lessons learned from falling, even as I neared the end of this audiobook. I can't help but wonder, if Nelson was such an experienced hiker and a professional writer, how does she manage to avoid Aaron Ralston's infamous story for nearly 20 years? Or is she ashamed to admit she didn't think what happened to Ralston applied to her? It's a strange disconnect considering Ralston's story was wildly popular and certainly impossible to avoid if you worked in the media. Even if you don't remember his name, like me, you probably recall the story of a man who cut off his own arm after getting trapped alone on a hike. The best explanation of Nelson's disconnect I can find is traced directly to her mother's words. After seeing Nelson incapacitated in the hospital with tears streaming down her face, having survived this horrific ordeal, her mother says, tears are emotions escaping. Nelson seems to find this endearing, yet I interpret it as an extreme level of emotional repression that spans at least both Nelson and her mother's lifetimes. This is desperately sad, but it helps unlock Nelson's emotional framework, her admitted tendency to avoid deep relationships, never ask for help or show vulnerability, move vast distances to escape feelings of loneliness, and may even explain her career preference for writing about food and travel, since this only requires the most superficial emotions. Emotional repression would also explain Nelson's stilted, limited vocabulary throughout this book. I had to repeatedly remind myself that Nelson wrote this in her 30s, not her late teens or 20s, because her tone reflects deep-seated emotional inhibitions and a lack of self-awareness or connection to others. I cringed and visibly grimaced when I listened to her account of returning to Joshua Tree Park, determined not to live in fear of the desert, quote, properly crying like a lunatic, unquote. Even after surviving this ordeal, this crude attempt to distance from emotion with humor seems remarkably lacking in self-compassion. Stylist Magazine calls this story uplifting and brave but I find it deeply tragic and disturbing. How has Nelson truly gained insight about herself, let alone changed her ways, other than making a list of safety tips before hiking alone again? Nelson continues to express her love directly for objects, including her hiking boots, rather than for relationships or people, right up to the end of this book. I see scant evidence of emotional growth, even after re-listening to much of this audiobook. Instead, I see a carefully constructed facade of plucky, carefree individualism that might as well be a recipe for long-term loneliness. So my question remains, what are we looking for when we pick up survival memoirs? The truth is, Physical survival doesn't necessarily translate into emotional resilience, which ultimately proves more important after the initial trauma, no matter how messy and imperfect. 
Erin Ralston's Wikipedia page hints that survivor stories are not an upward trajectory of unmitigated triumph. He admits that surviving being trapped in the canyon gave him a sense of invincibility at a time that it should have humbled him. He lost friends to suicide and had a series of failed or troubled relationships, including an assault charge, although that was later dropped. For me, the worst tragedy is not to die, but to survive a crushing ordeal, only to live as before, emotionally superficial and finding connection primarily through moments of, quote, talking nonsense and dumbassery and fun, unquote, in Nelson's words, rather than relationships that dig a bit deeper and communication that risks emotional vulnerability and honesty, Read in that context, this cautionary tale is darkly compelling. That's all for this episode of Audiobook Reviews in 5. Thanks for listening. If you have not yet done so, Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe to Audiobook Reviews in 5 on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and many others. By subscribing, you help increase the profile of this podcast and chances of other listeners finding it. I look forward to checking in with you all again soon. Please stay safe and be well.